You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 102. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm a business consultant and coach who has helped hundreds of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six-figure years without burning out in the process. Now, speaking of burnout, burnout and mental illness collectively are topics a lot of people don't like to talk about. However, if you've followed me for a long enough time, you know that mental health holds a very special place in my heart, and it's part of my bigger mission with being a business consultant and in the leadership role that I'm in. Why? Why, you ask? Because there's so much damn stigma attached with burnout and mental health, and this needs to change, especially, especially in the entrepreneur space. I mean, hell, if you break your leg, you'll get help. You just wouldn't walk around the neighborhood with a broken leg. But gosh forbid you get the help you need if you have mental health problem. Remind yourself, it is okay to get help. It's imperative to get the help that you need. So in this episode, I'm thrilled to bring on the show, Maggie, all the way from the UK, where we're going to be talking about from burnt out to booked out. We're going to talk about what her own burnout looked like, and we're equally going to explore how she went from that burnt out to booked out. And she's going to walk us through some of those steps so that you too can become proactive with your own business. But before we hop straight into this amazing episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, I would love for you to share your key takeaway, a fun fact, or anything you'd love to share about this podcast over on the Instagram stories and then tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting because that would simply put a smile on my dial. Also, this episode, I'm so excited to tell you, is sponsored by my brand new spanking hot off the press program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners. With me, that's right, Ange Henderson. It is a step-by-step guide for getting visible, getting booked out, and growing your business with Instagram and all for a one-time payment of $27. You might be thinking, what the hell, Ange? Now, you see, what I found in my time of being a business consultant is that Instagram plays a huge part of their overall business strategy, but so many people don't know how to use Instagram. And with my first business, Finley and Me, I used it. We grew to over 20, 22,000 at one stage. On my other page, Angela Hendrick Consulting, we're equally growing over there. And so I know the power of Instagram. But as I said, many business owners struggle to understand Instagram and are feeling overwhelmed, deflated, or just posting with no strategy, which means no results for business. You're just wasting your time. And this simply doesn't have to be the case. In my new program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners, I'm going to teach you the following. I'm going to talk to you about how to get started with Instagram. I'm going to talk to you about how to nail your Instagram bio, the four ways to use Instagram for business growth, what types of content you should be posting on Instagram based on your own individual business, understanding what time to post on Instagram, how to optimize your content with hashtags, how to plan and schedule your content on Instagram, and how to measure your data and results on Instagram. There's one module for each of these topics that I mentioned above, which includes a 10 to 15 minute video and a PDF guide so that you can map out your own individual Instagram strategy. Not to mention this program also comes with my four amazing bonuses, my 30 day guide of different Instagram content ideas, my 30 call to actions guide, my top 10 free stock images guide so you can access images ASAP without having to pay any additional um, money, and my ideal client guide to ensure you understand your ideal client in order to make sure that you're posting the right content on Instagram to grow your business. You can grab my new program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners to help you get visible, get booked, and to grow your business all for a one-time payment of $27. To secure your spot, simply head to bit.ly, B-I-T, full stop, L-Y, backslash, Instagram course for business owners. Again, that link to secure this amazing, amazing Instagram training for just $27 can be found over at bit.ly, B-I-T, full stop, L-Y, backslash, Instagram course for business owners. And I'll be sure to put the links in the notes section of the podcast too, just in case you missed it. But now let's jump into this amazing, amazing episode. Welcome to the show, Maggie. 
Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. Gosh, thank you so much for being available to come on the podcast today. I'm super excited. And, you know, we're just, we've been chatting. This always happens with so many of my guests that I don't know. We just chat, chat, chat. And then I'm kind of like, okay, 20 minutes of fast. We probably need to hit record and start recording. So it's obviously 7 p.m. at time of recording here in Australia. And what time is it for you? You're over in the Netherlands? Yeah, it's 11 in the morning. I'm near Amsterdam. So yes, so lovely. And how long have you been over in the Netherlands for? Um, so I got a one-way, t- I grew up in Singapore and I got a one-way ticket to Amsterdam when I was 20 and that seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, <laughs> turned out I was right. <laughs> um, and I also lived in Germany in between. So I've been back from Germany for about two years now. All right. Fantastic. And you're settling down there officially. Yeah. I'm, my husband's Dutch and we, you know, we, we bought a house and, uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right. No, fantastic. Yeah. I love the Netherlands. I was only there for a short stint. I did a thing in America. Um, though I'm Canadian, I did my, uh, uni in the United States and it was a thing called semester at sea where you go on a cruise ship for three months, get university credit for going and you go to nine different countries. And so wow. it was like, yeah, it was like so awesome. So amazing. So that was just a summer stint. You could also do the around the world stint like during the main uh, semesters but it was absolutely brilliant and the Netherlands is an amazing place now I would say that listen you and I have only just recently connected and that is via the wonderful world of Instagram in fact I think a good friend of a mutual friend of ours Joe Bendel who lives in Spain posted something about you on one of her Instagram stories that kind of sparked me and I was like oh that's Mm. you know who is this lady I've never heard about her before and I'm always love connecting with you know really amazing women, like-minded women, women who are here to make an impact. And that was the vibe that I picked up. So as we do, we all, I did a mini stock and I was like, Ooh, this girl, I like this Megan girl. I'm going to have to reach out and see if she'd come on the podcast. And now here we are, you're here. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks also for flexibility. It's always fun with like time zones and daylight savings <laughs> and like pandemics happening to to schedule something in. <laughs> totally no worries. Like I said, sometimes it works that people can just use the scheduling link, but I was like, cool, let's, we'll just make it happen. And I think it's, again, there's something to be said about flexibility and adapting, right? No matter, again, we were speaking about, you know, coronavirus and how that's impacted lightly, but, you know, business owners need to be flexible. Business owners need to be able to adapt at any given time. And if you want something bad enough, it just is like a no brainer. So for me, when I want a guest on, I don't care what time I have to record, we'll record and we just make it happen. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I think boundaries are fantastic. It's important to know what you're okay with, what you're not okay with, but there's like, come on, like be a human being, have some decency, have some flexibility and it's not going to, you know, kill your brand authority if you bend things once in a while. In fact, I think, again, it can help with your brand authority, right? People start going, yeah, I met this lady, you know, Maggie, and she was really flexible and she came on our time zones. Like, I think there's an element that it actually can help you, you know? Um, And again, some people could say, oh, people I've used the words like vulnerability, right? I don't think I'm necessarily being vulnerable, but I think some people could feel that way. Like, oh, this is what people know of me. So I think there's positives, do you know what I mean? When you adapt and are flexible with things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're going to talk, you know, we're here today to talk about, I guess you could say burnt out to booked out. But before we get started, I always like to ask a fun question to the guests that I'm interviewing. So listeners get the, you know, get the chance to get to know you a little bit for who you are, Maggie, versus just jumping straight into, you know, uh, from burnout to booked out. So my question to you is, as I noticed, as I was doing my mini stock on your Instagram page, is it appears that you love to travel, you had a variety of different images from snow captured images to images with these beautiful flowers, it looks like markets, to sunny photos, it looks like you're kind of all over the place, which is great. I love to travel too. So my question to you is, is what is your favorite place in the world? And why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have to say, I do really enjoy living in the Netherlands, but that's more of like a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. The weather here is crap. Don't come for the weather. Um, <laughs> yep. I think, honestly, when I was in, um, I ran a retreat. I have an invite-only mastermind-style retreat uh, um, called the Powerhouse Retreat that I ran in Tuscany. And sitting in that villa in an olive grove with the sun setting around you and like the wind whistling through the trees like that was ridiculously magical just Tuscany and Italy was amazing amazing how amazing does that sound not to mention probably the good vibe people you were with you know everything else that was stemming from that but again Tuscany sunset olive grove do you know what I mean probably good food good music good company I mean what, what could you what could you honestly complain about it was so funny because when we were like prepping for the retreat and we you know we obviously you give everyone questionnaires like, you know, do you have any dietary restrictions? And like about more than half the people said that they were like gluten free. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone ate gluten free on that trip. Maybe one person. <laughs> I was like, eh. 
pasta and wine. I'll, I'll, I'll be off the diet for a week. But I would also find it interesting that, uh, again, it would be interesting to hear what your thoughts are, but, you know, gluten, so many people will talk about the type of wheat and how it's made and all that. It's like, was their stomach still hurting? Because so much of Italy, do you know what I mean, is so fresh, preservative free, you know, um, made right there, handmade or homemade, whatever word you want to use, right? Like, I'd be curious to know whether or not their bodies reacted to that, say, versus just stuff that they would get on their day to day, or whether or not it was just like, oh, this is wholesome, and it's actually good for them. I'm not sure. I, I really don't know enough about that, to be honest. But I, I do think there's something for you if you have like, you know, don't drink any wine. And if you, you know, eat a lot of vegetables and you don't really do the whole pasta and pizza thing. And then yep. you have a week where you have like, yes, it was really, really good pasta and pizza. But if that's um, different from your normal. <laughs> you still week, probably like, still have no, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You'll probably maybe. like your body's just like in shock. Yeah. <laughs> You're going, what is this? It tastes so Worth good at it. the time, but yeah, don't absolutely. Now burnout. This is again, um, as I'd said in my intro, is it is something I'm very passionate about because again, I think it's a topic that's not discussed and, and it's so common yet so many people don't talk about it, Maggie. So I'd like to start off just by you before we kind of get into the burnout scenario. I'd love to know a little bit more about where you started in business and what are you doing now? Just so the listeners kind of have some background information on you. Sure. So um, I started um, my business by accident. I had just finished a master's of science in marketing strategy in Amsterdam, where I had a job lined up and I was really learning how to speak Dutch. I was working very hard for that. And two weeks after I graduated, we moved um, to Frankfurt, Germany because of my husband's job where, um, which is like the financial capital of Europe. And this was like right after the recession. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, they're like a fresh grad marketing degree. Don't speak German, like zero chance, absolutely zero chance. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that felt very soul crushing. Cause I was like, Oh, I have international experience. I grew up in the U S and Singapore. I've done all these internships. I'm a special butterfly and not a single interview in six months. Um, so that got me started exploring the online world. I was freelancing like any kind of gig I could get like copy editing, copywriting, editing academic articles that I just, oh my gosh, that was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. Um, And I started teaching myself how to code websites because I thought I would have like a hard skill on my resume to make me stand out from the sea of other marketing people. Mm -hmm. And that got me into freelancing and making websites for clients. And a couple of months later, I realized I'd been basically working on my clients' marketing strategies on top of their websites and I saw the results and that like seeing the results gave me the confidence of like, Oh, I could actually do this. I'm actually mm-hmm. good enough to do this. And people are getting results and they're happy and they're paying me. You're like, wow. hello, boom. I'm yeah. in. Let, let's uh, do yeah. more of this. Yeah. Let's, let's stop the coding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, yeah. That was about six years ago. Um, since then I've, I've, I've transitioned what I do a little bit. Um, I used to call myself a digital marketing strategist. Now I call myself a business growth and marketing strategist because I first start with your business model. My goal for my clients at the end of the day is how can you pay yourself more? So it's not just about revenue, but it's at the end of the day, how much profit are you taking home in your pocket to do fun things with? Um, and marketing is all about the visibility, of course, and standing out and getting more clients. So, yeah. You raise an interesting point there, and this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of, you know, seven and eight figure business owners kind of in my space. And what we've been talking about is this revenue versus profit, right? And that there's this perception in the online space, not all, but some people, right? Is I have seven, I've made seven figures. I've made eight figures. I've made nine figures, But not all of these people are telling the full ins and outs of their business, right? So, you know, I know for a fact, one person, I won't name names, uh, you know, had a seven figure launch. Well, that's great. And you can call yourself a millionaire and you can do all that. But they put in just under $100,000 with a Facebook ads, right? Do you know what I mean? So it, it, and it was like a hundred thousand, then, you know, half a million, et cetera. So what I'm saying is that sometimes people think that you have to have spend more in order to profit more when that actually can be the opposite. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, to be honest, personally, I really don't care too much if someone has a seven figure launch and, you know, they only made X amount of profit. That's their thing. As long as they're not using those numbers to try and sell you know, come by my program to, and I'll teach you how I made seven figures, right? Yes. Like that's up to you, like how much you spend on Facebook ads on your team. And like, I think that's part of it. Like at a certain point, you just need to reach more people, you need to retarget people. So Facebook ads, like I think are like 
please guys use them. I wish I'd start using Facebook ads way early in my business. It would have helped me a lot to grow my audience or retarget them with offers and, and so on. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I feel very like <laughs> double about this because on one hand I'm completely with you. Don't promote your, you know, oh my God, I'm a seven figure business owner. If you're paying yourself, I don't know, 30,000 because you've spent so much on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, if you're not using those numbers to try and like sell another program, mm-hmm. I'm pretty okay with it. Like, cool. Hey, you had a seven figure launch and you only made X amount, but that's your thing. If, if you're not using that launch to sell your next thing. Does that make sense, Angela? 100%. And I couldn't okay, agree cool. more is that again, it's almost the, how do I say, almost unethical behavior, you could say to some degree, do you know what I mean? Is you're almost leading with that launch. Do you know what I mean? And I can show you exactly. how to do the same thing, but then you get actually in and then you're like, hold on a minute. I didn't know I was going to need a hundred thousand dollars upfront or a credit card line or whatever in order to be able to get this right. Like there's like a lot of like behind the scenes that don't necessarily are upfront. Whereas if you're upfront and you're like, you might have a discovery call and someone says, yep, X, Y, and Z happened. And this is what we did. I'm all for, but what, yes, not everyone is upfront, right? They make it out like they're a seven figure business. It was like, all of it was profit. Uh, they did it with minimal team. But the reality of it is, is when you start hitting seven, eight, nine figure businesses, the reality of it is, is you don't do this shit alone. There is a team because you can't do it so alone. Do you know what I mean? From customer services, launching, do you know what I mean? Keeping your customers, everything happy. So again, but there are people who haven't been around for a while that get sucked into that, right? So again, I always say, be mindful about what perception looks like. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, if you're in the early stages of business, this is something that definitely helped helped push me towards burnout, by the way, um, because I didn't realize this. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking like, I'm such a total failure because there's people like, I don't know, let's say Amy Porterfield, who creates like a lead magnet or like a checklist with every single podcast episode every single week. And I still got, can't get like one lead magnet to get like, what's wrong with me? But mm-hmm. you don't actually, at that time or at that stage, you don't realize how many people, you know, are around someone like that. I'm just using Aim4 as an example here. It wasn't really uh, specifically about her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Totally understand, yeah. Yeah, but I was just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm such a pathetic little failure because I can't get my, you know, stuff together uh, enough to make one lead magnet or something. And I didn't realize how much, like, now with, even like with my podcast, like, there are like multiple people involved from like formatting to project management to like emailing guests to the graphics to to editing. It's not just the recording of it. And when I when you actually count like how much time does goes into all of these tasks together, not even talking about a launch, but like let's say in general promotional content, mm-hmm. it's insane. in order to do it, in my opinion, effectively too, right? Anyone can just go and post. We all can do that and we tick a box. But if it's not strategy driven, right? If it's not relatable to the people that we're wanting to work with, then again, to me, you're just throwing spaghetti at a wall. So again, that's where where I think the content is, it's got to be strategically driven because if not, it's like, again, you don't need a team. Any one of us can go throw a meme up. Any one of us can say double tap of this, but there's got to be substance behind that in order for the growth, in my opinion, to happen. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So now burnout. I do want to go back just a little bit because as I mentioned earlier on, I don't think burnout is something that's spoken about. And I know we're not going to, we're just going to briefly touch on the surface because I do want to get into the nitty gritty about how you went from burnout to booked up. But I would like to know if you can just kind of start off by taking us back to what burnout looked like for you. Was there anything in particular that led you to burnout? You know, how did you know? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, basically perfectionism. And like what I kind of touched on just now, like about feeling like a failure and feeling like I wasn't doing enough um, and not actually seeing results. I think a big part of that was this frustration. And that got me into this like vicious, almost like hamster wheel type of cycle mm-hmm. where I, I wasn't getting the results I wanted. So I thought I have to work harder, but I still wasn't getting the results because I was doing all the wrong things and just too many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this got me more and more frustrated. And it's like, I started kind of building these really how would you describe it? Like weird beliefs in my head. Like someone would say something on a podcast or in a webinar and I would latch onto that as a belief. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even realize it. Like someone said um, that, or I saw someone who 
had like, I don't know, booked out all of her one-on-one clients without even having her website up yet because she gave so much value in Facebook groups. That's how she built her community. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, therefore to be as successful as she is, I have to go give value in Facebook groups. But that wasn't like, that was a subconscious thought process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't like, I didn't actually actively decide that. And so I was like waking up at like, I don't know, two in the morning, like my mind would like wake me up and be like, okay, let me go check Facebook and like, let me go engage and like answer all the comments and so on. Um, and it wasn't really working. And, and the, the horrible thing for me was that I have a master's of science and marketing strategy and my marketing isn't working. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> You're like, hello, throw me a bone. What is going on? Like, what is going on? Like, why is this working? Why can I do this for my clients? And they're like hitting highest month of revenue of the year. They're doubling the newsletter subscribers. They're tripling website traffic and it's not working for me. What is wrong? Um, so I ended up taking a break for a couple of days. We were living in Germany, went back to, to the Netherlands, uh, for King's day. Um, if you don't know what that is, just Google image King's day, Amsterdam. It's insane. Okay. Everyone's in orange. Everyone's drunk basically by noon. (laughs) (laughs) Giant, giant street party. Um, and I started getting really dizzy and by like the third day I was so dizzy. I couldn't walk. It was like, if you had taken way too much tequila, (laughs) Yep. And just the world is spinning, but it was 10 in the morning and I was completely sober, which I actually found out the term last year. That's vertigo, which so at the time I didn't know what it was. And I thought oh, I was had a brain tumor. I was dying or something. Yes. So we went, it can be very yeah. scary. It was really scary. It's just like, yeah, it was, I, I generally was like, okay, I've got a brain tumor. Like that's the only, only explanation. So I went to the hospital and, you know, I was there for like five hours doing all these tests, like in all these departments. And they were like, so there's literally nothing wrong with you. I'm like what? <laughs> what? Like this it's can't stress. be. You're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just like, no, I disagree. <laughs> yep. That's such BS. It's not stress. I'm just busy. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, it takes you four months, four months later before you can go on your first 10 minute walk without falling over and clutching a wall. I'm like, oh, maybe they were right. <laughs> yes. Yep. They're like, maybe there's some validity in what they were saying to me. Yeah. So um, I found out like, if you're looking at it medically, that was probably a pre- stage of burnout um mm-hmm. because like actual burnout and ends up shutting down all of your internal organs um i so i call it a, a burnout because a lot of people understand what i mean with that but it's basically my body gave me a giant middle finger it was mm-hmm. like okay no this can't continue and as i was recovering i realized how much i wanted my business to be a success and i was like okay things have to change what what do i need to start doing differently because what i've been doing is clearly not working Yep. And so, and I know you touched upon uh, a minute ago about Facebook groups, right? And how you were, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but it was almost like you were being influenced by external people about what they were doing in order to be successful, but that wasn't working for you. Is that true? Do you feel like you were being influenced by others? Yes, hundred percent. I was, I had zero confidence in myself, like Mm -hmm. to make the right decisions. Cause I was like, Oh, I, is it totally new space? It's on the online world. I know nothing. I'm starting from scratch. So I was just like on, I don't know, probably watching like three webinars a week or something mm-hmm. all at like 10, 10, 11 o'clock at night, my time. And it was just jumping on every single free coaching call. Every single time I saw like a freebie checklist, I would get it. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And again, but I don't think again, it's uncommon though. Right. But this no. is the thing, not a lot of people talk about it. And one of the things that I do prod myself with this particular podcast is breaking into some of these conversations, hence why business and life conversations, because there's other people that, again, you jump from freebie to freebie, YouTube to YouTube, podcast to podcast, uh, webinar to webinar, right? Looking for that magic solution. Um, and sometimes you might get it. But I think it's important to understand that freebies and webinars and even podcasts, we can value add so much in that time and people can take away so many golden nuggets like they will today. But it's a very small piece of the bigger puzzle, right? Um, and I think that's another thing that people don't like look at. So they get a little piece from this podcast, then they try and stitch that together with the YouTube clip on how to do this. So then they try and stitch this together. And what I have found, in my opinion, is that so many people then are getting distracted with the shiny object syndrome, right? Going from here to here to here, that hamster wheel that you're talking about, that they lose sight and don't get the clarity they need and the strategy they need, and they're doing it alone. And that's one of the, or that's three of the four main things that I see of reasons why businesses struggle to succeed. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I don't think that was fully in my case. I do mm-hmm. really agree with you because I see that constantly um, um, in in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think for me, I mean, obviously I was missing the bigger picture, as you mentioned, but I think I was just like con- consuming content like crazy because I not necessarily searching for a magic bullet, yep. but I kept thinking, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I need to keep learning. Right. That was, yep. that was my thing. That was just, it was, and it was just confidence. It was just, mm. yeah. Yep. The confidence. Confident that... myself. And so obviously you go to the doctor or you're, do you know what I mean? At the King's Fest, then you have a good time. Then you're not feeling well. You go to the doctor. They're like, listen, Maggie, this shit is stress related. You know, it takes you some, a while to be able to kind of build that confidence. Do you know what I mean? Almost reset your body, I'm assuming to some degree. Yep. And then, so once you found your feet after this burnout, all right, what were the steps that you took? Because I know, again, I've been following you now for a little while, again, is that you really went from burnout to booked out. And so some people be like, again, well, they might be the ones that we're saying, right? Like, Amy Porterfield, your stuff is working. How do I get this shit to happen, right? So can you walk us through a little bit about what does, how did you go from the burnout to booked out? Can you walk us through some of these important steps and what they look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So this was already like while I was recovering because I wasn't able to, you know, really read too much or, you know, do the things I had been doing, which is like consuming content or trying to, you know, get on calls and stuff, um, like strategy calls. Uh-huh. Um, So what I could do, however, was have coffee chats. So mm-hmm. I ended up doing a lot of these virtual coffees where just like, hey, we've connected on, you know, a Facebook group or an Instagram, like, let's have a 30 minute, you know, coffee over zoom and just talk to each other and get to know each other. Uh-huh. Uh, and that actually helped expanding, expanding my network a lot because the goal there wasn't, I'm going to try and pitch people, get a client. It was just like, I, a, I have nothing to do because <laughs> yep. I can't work. And B, I want one, one more person to know my name and, and know what I do. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these conversations really helped. Um, the second thing I started doing was market research. And this was because I was like, okay, hold on Maggie. I have a master's of science in this. I, I know this. All right. So ignoring all the webinars and blogs and Pinterest, what do I know to be true for marketing and for business growth? And people ask me like, why do you have a master's of science and not a master's of arts if it's marketing? Mm-hmm. And that's because my degree was focused on data and statistics and analysis, mm-hmm. also known as market freaking research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's why I was like, okay, well, yeah. So I don't have data sets I can use with entrepreneurs, but I, I can basically do focus groups. I can go one-on-one and talk to these people and just clearly what I am saying, how I'm putting things across isn't translating because I was getting clients when I built relationships. Uh-huh. I was getting clients when I met them in person or by referral, but I was not getting clients through my marketing. Mm-hmm. So I did a bunch of these market research conversations. I realized for one, my ideal clients were not hanging out in free Facebook groups they were potentially hanging out in paid higher level group programs, masterminds and communities. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went. And that's where I started offering um, strategy sessions. And it was like pitch free, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. If you have one of these four or five problems, like I'm happy to help. Da-da-da. And with these conversations that gave me so much information on what people were looking for. Mm-hmm. So as I have a concrete example for this, I'm um, just, in, this is like how important messaging and copy is mm-hmm. one my main kind of tagline used to be does your business have a digital strategy and the answer to that question is no one cares yep. like no one cares at all apart from other strategists um because i asked this question on stage before and like i'm like please raise your hand if you like resonate with that question people raise like a couple of people raise their hands i always ask like, what do you do oh i do strategy i'm like yeah hold, you don't count like you yeah. get me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and through these market research conversations, I started, you know, I actually ended up quoting someone with permission and I changed that, lo- that line to, does your marketing make you feel like you're screaming into the void? Mm-hmm. And that was my, the heading of my about page for about two years. And I had literally emails from people going, oh my God, that's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that was from market research conversation because I don't feel that way about marketing. But at that time, my clients did. Did. So yeah. I, yeah, they did. Like I, my clients have evolved since then. They, they, you know, have a bit of a handle on their marketing. So we look at more scaling service-based businesses and business models and so on. But at that time, I was really focused on just on marketing and visibility for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so you, you started with the coffee chats. You then go to the market research. 
was there an element where again you're like what is your how are you going to stand out in the sea of this competition like what was it that you're like I've got it what's your unique factor here because again there's a lot of you know strategists out there there's a lot of marketing people out there what did you have to also do in order to be able to get booked out but also do you mean make yourself different and stand out in that sea of competition that's a great question. Um, at the time, I was also realizing one of the reasons my marketing wasn't working too well was because I found it boring. Okay. If you find your marketing boring, can you imagine what your ideal clients are thinking when they read your marketing? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, womp, womp, not this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I'm already feeling that way about what I'm doing. Um, and I realized that I had been keeping a huge part of my personality separate from my, let's say business persona. Mm -hmm. Um, so I grew up in Singapore where like being professional is like the key. Um, one of the reasons I end up, one of my kind of final, like the straw that broke the camel's back moments was when I was trying to get into this like executive committee uh, for the theater club in my university Mm -hmm. and the outgoing president sat me down and said to me, Maggie, if you want to be successful, especially later in corporate life in work, you have to learn how to tone down your personality. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I have like such a clear memory. This was like literally 12 years ago. I have such a 11 years ago, such a clear memory of that exact moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, especially since it was another woman in a position of authority saying that to me, that completely shook me. And I had this huge focus when I started out, like, oh, I have to be professional. But what does that even mean? Right? Right. Yep. So with this burnout, I just said, F this. And I started talking about things that I enjoyed. Um, I play video games almost every evening. Mm -hmm. Um, My dog's name is Frodo. I yep. marathon watch all the Harry Potter movies probably at least once a year. Yep. And this was like nowhere. You could not find this information anywhere on my website, social media, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I just started talking about this. I just said, let me just see. And I was so scared. I literally had tears in my eyes the first time I was, was doing that because I was so scared. Like, oh, people are going to say I'm childish and I'm unprofessional. No one's ever going to want to work with me. And I posted, the first thing I did was I posted this photo of myself where I had my hair half dyed pink. I was wearing a tiara and like a glitter skirt because I was going to like a a music festival or something. And that's how I did like my intro in this Facebook group because it felt like the lowest impact kind of thing I could do to just test this out. Test the theory, see what it goes. I mean, what are people going to, what are reactions? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And when I used to use like a a more formal headshot and like, oh, I'm Maggie, I'm a business and marketing strategist. Like maybe I would say, get like one or two comments of like, welcome and hello. And now with this one, I had like, I think, I don't know, 17 or something people going, oh my God, I want to be your best friend. Oh my God, your dog's name is Frodo. And I was just like, wow, that works. Yep. It's fun. It's engaging. It's relatable. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And in some ways it's also disruptive marketing, right? Because it's, you're going to stop someone's feed be, when you see something like this. I remember we were talking about Molly Pittman earlier on in one of the best Facebook ads I remember seeing in her two launches ago, I think it was, could have been the previous launch is she was in Amsterdam and obviously in the canals that you guys have there. Yeah. She was, um, it, doors were closing and it was, and I think it was, don't miss the boat. Don't and, miss the and, boat. And Molly was running towards the boat, right? And it was just such a brilliant, disruptive, but fun, right? Like it's like people who followed Molly, Molly Pittman, what I'm talking about is they kind of know she's moved from the US over to the Netherlands. She's got this beautiful scenery. She's fun and laughing, you know, and if you've ever listened to Molly, she's got this infectious laugh about her. Um, her dog was in some of the other ads right? So it's like one of those things that again, but it disrupted you. So I could only imagine that people are used to these typical intros, blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because this is exactly, not exactly, but very similar is you're, you're almost told that it's got to be this way. But then it's like, when I introduce myself, I'm like, Ange, I'm the Nutella eating, do you know what I mean? Lady who sits in the closet, you know, shoving Nutella in my face. I love the color pink, pink with a splash of glitter. And by the way, I'm a super proud Canadian because what's not to be proud when you've got beer, Pamela Anderson, do you know what I mean? And Tim Hortons. (laughs) And I can't even tell you how many conferences I go to and I have my Nutella slide when I'm speaking on stage. People will go to the grocery store and buy me jars of Nutella and give it to me. I've had people send me Nutella hoodies in the post. Um, Like I'll get screenshots of people are at the supermarket and Nutella's at the checkout line. So there is something to be said that you can still have fun, still be professional, but more importantly, still be memorable. 
Yes. So, oh my gosh, I have so much to say on this because so one, I completely get that with Nutella because people do that to me with unicorns. Uh-huh. I have a unicorn in my logo. Um, when we were on video together, when we before we started, you saw that I have. You maybe saw that I had a, a unicorn sitting behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I like run retreats or like events or anything, people just like. I've received everything from like nail files to unicorn socks to to clothes to pajamas. Um, so I'm not complaining. I have like probably six unicorn themed mugs at home. I have not bought <laughs> a single one myself. They were all gifts from people. Yeah. Um, and that's that's been interesting because um, I think with my marketing, with you know talking about standing out, this is very much me. I didn't wake up and go, oh, I'm gonna have this fantasy shtick because it's gonna make me stand out. I was just like no, this is who I am and I need to start expressing part of it. So it was a big process for me because I was like, I love like I, when I, when I drive by myself, um, I have a playlist that my husband calls Maggie's aggressive driving playlist, <laughs> yep. which is like Metallica and Rammstein and Nightwish. And I'm like driving and like screaming along and my dog is very <laughs> upset with me normally. Um, you know, I love, I really like like swing dancing and Lindy hop and things like that. I'm very bad at it, but I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I was like trying to kind of figure out in this phase of like, I have, oh, I have like, you know, I did Taekwondo for years. I really like kickboxing. So I have all these like kind of facets of who I am. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I was sitting with all of them. I was like, how do I, which are relevant? Which ones make sense? How do I combine this? And I realized like the fantasy and the video game part of me is probably the biggest part. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, guys, if I can combine like having a unicorn in my logo, I mean, being a very action focused revenue focused business and marketing strategist you can combine whatever the hell you want mm-hmm. 100% but also like you said it's relatable right other people like you're just like oh it is almost like I don't know how to describe it but well I won't people have said to me and you gave me permission do you know what I mean to be me right and it's like mm. weren't you always being you and they're like kind of but not really do you know what I mean because the guru said on Facebook ad or said on this checklist or whatever that I should be doing this but I saw you do it a different way and that it's okay you know like you're still yeah and people didn't like they either love you and what I said what I say to people too is when they kind of are like oh, I don't know this feels weird I'm gonna do you know what I mean people aren't gonna like me I'm like please, you want those assholes to leave, repel them. Do you know what I mean? And those people that do accept you for who you are, those are the people you want to work with anyways. If the others yeah. can't handle it, screw them off. Do you know what I mean? Um, it will help you tighten what you do, what you offer and who you offer. And it's actually, I think again, really good as in, yeah, finding out quickly who sticks around, who doesn't, right? Absolutely. And so I actually was one concern I had or one kind of thought I had when I was doing this, I was like, I don't necessarily want to work with other fantasy nutheads like myself like yeah I'm happy to but it's really like I really don't care you know yeah. um in my day-to-day life I don't talk about Harry Potter like too much apart from me like yelling at Frodo like to you know drop that sock or something yeah um so I was kind of thinking that I might start attracting a lot of like fantasy nerds and that's actually not happened which has been really interesting like my main uh, website header is um I'm sitting on a table reading The Hobbit the people who see that and notice The Hobbit like they email me going oh my god um, but there's a lot of people, like a lot of my clients have never like read or seen Harry Potter, which I think is a bit of a travesty, but you know, their life, <laughs> yeah. um, but they remember me because it's memorable exactly and they want right. to work with me because they like that I'm passionate about something. And that's something I th- thought was really interesting because I thought I would start attracting all these like other fantasy nerds like myself. Yep. It's interesting that you say that because currently I'm working with a naturopath, a kinesiologist, you know, variety of e-com businesses, whatever. And it's funny, like a lot of my kinesiologist and uh, naturopath are like, we know, like, we know you love Nutella. All right. And, you know, it's all good in moderation, but, you know, there's other options out there for you. And like, we can help you with this Nutella. And so, do you know what I mean? But again, they remember that that's what I love, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's ice cream, cakes, desserts, like give it to me. I'm cool. Do you know what I mean? Um, But again, it is, it's, it's interesting. So if we go back a little bit, so you, you, again, like you said, we got the burnout, you then start to have these coffee chats, which are obviously building, do you know what I mean? Relationships and networks, which is going to help you, do you mean to be able to get booked out? You started shifting to really some market research, do you know what I mean? Doing focus groups. And you kind of had that epiphany where you're like, listen, my ideal client probably isn't where I need to be. They're more in paid groups versus the free groups. You then started really looking at how can you stand out in this sea of competition, which again, you really honed in on, you know, the video games, the Harry Potter, and really just starting to talk about that and integrating that into your overall messaging. 
But then how did you go from not being known to then starting to build that authority? Well, keeping true to the coffee chats, the market research, like what was that? Because I'm assuming there had to be some authority building in there also in order for you to be able to be trusted, liked and booked out. Would I be correct in saying that? There, yeah, um, absolutely correct. I don't actually talk about it much. I actually think I forgot that I did that part for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but that's something I started doing at that time was um, I started um, pitching um, so from all these coffee chats. I also started, I knew a lot of Facebook group owners. I didn't have my own Facebook group, but I was active in quite a few Facebook groups. And I started pitching them like, hey, I'd love to come in and do a free training for you guys. Mm-hmm. And people like I was seriously again I like my my hands were shaking the first time I wrote one of those messages and it was to like a friend of mine who I knew really well and I was still completely terrified and her response was oh my gosh that would be amazing I've been thinking of getting guest experts but I have not had the time to go search for people that was her response yeah Yeah. I know um so that suddenly I, I did a bunch of those and you know about like my market research process or about identifying your ideal clients because uh, something I got really hung up on, which uh, was like this whole ideal client avatar exercises that where you're like basically making up stuff and it's like completely complete nonsense because it's not based on any facts. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why is my ideal client named Amy, like 27 years old, drinks green tea in the morning? How is this relevant? And how does this help me make money? Like mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense. So that's why I was focusing on market research and psychographics over demographics. Uh, if you're working in the online space, so it's much more about personality goals and aspirations and, you know, fears and challenges versus age and marital status mm-hmm. uh, and so on. Yeah. So I did a bunch of those uh, trainings that really helped me very quickly. Um, I started doing video, um, again, getting my face in front of people and I t- tapped it to other people's audiences. The big thing that kind of put me on the map and I got booked out like a few weeks later was I put together um, this thing called the content quest which was a gamified content batching experience. It was like over four weeks. So we had different guest webinars. And then we had like an epic co-working, I think two days of like actually creating content. So people like wrote, I don't know, 12 or 18 blog posts during that time because we taught them how to batch content properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won an award for that uh, launch. Um, and the interesting thing is I was actually really disappointed by that launch because I didn't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like... But 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 that was the whole point of it. And then six weeks later, I was booked out. Okay. Yep. So again, and we were talking about this just before. Obviously, you know, coronavirus is still lingering at uh, time of Jimmy and you guys listening to this. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, is just because it's a no now doesn't mean it's a no forever. And so again, you're like, but I did all the right things. I should have had the clients. But sometimes those no's come later on. They might just need a few more touch points. And, and in your case, it's exactly what happened. It's like, I just got a message from someone last week to say, oh, hi, Maggie. I've been following you for a while. I was even in your first content quest, which was like now, I don't know, four years ago or something. Mm -hmm. So like just that was from like one chance from four years ago. And I know this is like, if you're in the early stages of business, this is not what you want to hear. And I apologize (laughs) up front, but it takes time and patience. Like there's a lot of things that you can put into place and that you'll only see an actual financial ROI return on investment six months or a year or even two years later Mm -hmm. because it's relationships and people just, it needs to be the right offer at the right price at the right time. Yep. 100%. And I'm really big for those that have followed me for some time about human to human marketing, the Mm. experience and interaction one faces with a particular brand, right? And I believe, and I say this often is the old is becoming the new again, right? And is that people want human connectiveness, people want to not just be a number, they don't want to just be a transaction. And those businesses that make it a priority to like what you did, you know, what I mean, with your coffee chats and really build those networks. Again, I believe your network equals your network equals your net worth, right? And again, you don't see that bloom overnight. It's kind of like when you plant a seed, you don't get to eat the fruit once you plant the seed, it's got to be watered, the weeds have to be picked, you've got to I mean, put it in sunlight, you've got to take care of it. And eventually the fruit will blossom. Well, it's very yeah. much you know, I mean in business. So I like when I hear people, yeah, but like I've been doing it for four months, I should be profitable. And I'm just like, I try not to laugh, but I'm like, listen, like this is a reality. There is a little bit of hard work. I'm not saying you need to work harder. You need to work smarter. All right. But there is an element at the beginning where you're doing a little bit of hard yards. And again, this doesn't happen overnight because if it did, we all do you know what I mean would be doing it very easily, you know? Um, yeah. But again, that's, it takes time. Yeah. One of the questions I ask all my guests on my podcast is how many years did it take you to become an overnight success? And everyone's like, 
six years, 10 years, 12 years. <laughs> yep, 100%. And that's if you're not pivoting, do you know what I mean? And that's if you've got a viable product, you know, and that's like your messaging's nailed. Like there's so many variables that play into it that again, I think people forget about the big picture, you know? Yeah. So we talked about the sea of competition. We talked about that. Obviously you then had to build your authority. And once you started to build your authority and you won that award, you started doing video content. You then were obviously starting to get booked out. But I'd also be, we go back to what you originally told us in your introduction is marketing. There has to be an element in here that in order to get booked out, you had to do some level of marketing. Do you know what I mean? Whether that was low impact marketing or high impact marketing. Uh, is, is that true for you? Is that not true for you? What, what did that look like for you? Because typically you don't go, get booked out without any level of marketing. No, but that's what I was doing, you know, with, with adding that personality to, to my writing or to my content. Yeah. I was doing these trainings in Facebook groups. I was doing marketing by, by tapping someone else's audience. So I was doing, you know, I'm the guest expert in a Facebook group in front of a thousand very engaged people who are, you know, watching this. Yeah. So that's, not only, it, and so I guess I should have extracted a little bit more. So with those, were you, cause we, I guess what I'm trying to say is initially you were told about appearing in, do you know what I mean? Like spend your time in Facebook groups, but your ideal client wasn't necessarily there. Right. But then you started to tap into, do you know what I mean? Other people's audiences. So what I'm saying is, is what marketing had you been told to, I guess, do where then you were like, actually, no, that's not high impact. I'm not seeing an ROI on that. Sorry if I didn't make that clear. No, I completely get that. And this is like such a peppy. It drives me absolutely crazy. So the marketing I was told to do was weekly blog post and newsletter, Mm -hmm. daily Instagram post. Yep. And like, you know, give value three times a week in different Facebook groups. Right. So I had like a Trello board with all my Facebook groups that I was in and like different days and prompts and stuff. And just so much time and energy and it was not working. Mm -hmm. So that's something like I'm teaching people now, like, listen, I went a year and a half without publishing a new blog post on my website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not ideal. Would I have been able to grow my email list if I had published weekly? Definitely. Yep. But in that time, I also ran like four international live events and like launched two masterminds and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm very much about high impact. Um, It's also about finding your strengths and your personality. Like, repetitive tasks really don't work for my chaotic ADD prone brain. Yeah. Like it just does not work. Yeah. Um, I actually have diagnosed ADD, so that's, I'm not using that like. Oh, no, so do I. So, and I say oh, it all the time, awesome. I'm like, my brain goes a million miles an hour. I can't do the same shit over and over. Cause you're going to no. lose me. Do you know what I mean? So that's why podcasting is great because I can yes. have new conversations every single time. And do you know what I mean? It gets, I don't get bored. I can continue to talk. And then you can batch them. So it's because I have a couple of weeks and I'm just like, I don't feel like talking to people. And that's fantastic because then I just block out my calendar and I'm not booking podcast conversations. And when I feel like, cool, I can be an extrovert now and talk to people. That's when I like batch everything in. So yeah, yeah. like the blog post on Instagram, like I'm not super, I'm active on Instagram stories because they're fun and quick and easy. Mm-hmm. But like the whole idea of like posting daily on Instagram, I did that for a while and just like, I'm not seeing an ROI. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same people. Like you might as well just follow my Instagram stories. Why am I spending like, you know, two, three hours a week or whatever on this. So for yep. me, it's looking at how can you get a higher return on every hour of your time, mm-hmm. right? Cause you can spend the same hour, let's say creating content for Instagram. You can spend mm-hmm. an hour creating blog posts. You can spend an hour creating podcasts, or you can spend an hour pitching to do guest trainings, mm-hmm. right? So yep. if you're looking at like all these options with the same amount of time because your time is limited and you're looking at which of these options has the best fit for my personality. Like, for example, for me, I would so much rather spend an hour of my time doing something like this with you mm-hmm. than try and spend that time writing a guest article because that's not going to take me an hour. It's going to take me like six if I'm lucky. Yeah, 100%. And this is what I've been saying to some of my clients, right? Is first of all, again, it goes back to understanding how does your ideal client consume information also, right? Yeah. Because if, I mean, I think, don't get me wrong, I'm very big about SEO. In fact, 44% of my traffic, do you know what I mean, comes from, do you know what I mean, search engine optimization because I have a very big SEO, short tail, long tail, on-site and off-site strategy that I do. Um, however, you can still do SEO strategy without having to do weekly blogs. Do you know what I mean? There's a variety of different things. You can get backlinks from being on podcasts, right? Like there's a variety of different things that you can still have a strong SEO strategy. 
managing. But for me is, is what I've been saying to my clients at the moment is how are they consuming information? But two, what's easy for you, right? So it doesn't feel like you have to work harder. You're working smarter for yourself and you're almost enjoying it because God forbid you enjoy your business, right? Like, and so, <laughs> and so a lot of my, like I've got, I think of my, I've got 18 one-to-ones at the time of recording. And I think three of them four, sorry, are about to launch their own podcast. Because when we looked at the numbers, again, data, right? Where was their, how much time are they spending? We were tracking that on Toggle. We were then looking at their ROI. We were looking at their revenue. And what we found was they actually can get into more people's ears, right? And have more frequent listeners versus spikes when you get blog posts because it goes out and then it like mm-hmm. dies and, unless it's optimized, right? And we were finding that podcasting, do you know I mean, at the moment for a lot of my clients is going to have a bigger ROI, not just short term, but then the long term leverage, right? So hi, I've got a podcast. Would you like to be a guest? Sure. Come on, build relationships, just like what we've been yeah. talking about, right? So I think podcasting is such a brilliant way from a high impact marketing strategy, because again, you get to build relationships, you get to build your authority, you're in people's ears on a regular basis, you can build your SEO strategy. Like there's so many positives, right? So I'm, I'm with you. What is going to be high impact and how are those consumers consuming that information? Yeah. I think like that's something I focused on a lot earlier on, but I think at a certain point, let me know if you agree with this, Angela. I think that a lot of people just consume, con- like if I put out content, I'm putting it like newsletter, blog post, Instagram, and podcast, that's all repurposed. Different personalities will tap into a different medium. I don't think, at least in my business, it's not like they all read blog posts or they all are going to watch YouTube. I I have those touch points. I think there's only certain kind of areas um, of business where you have to be really careful with that. Um, For example, like if you're working, this is the example I always use. If you're working with like really busy single moms who are struggling to balance their time, don't do 90 minute webinars. Yeah. Like, no, they're not going to lose them. You can lose lose them, them. right? Um, Same thing for me that this is like more was more for like how to format my podcast, how to structure it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a really short attention span. Like I said, I have ADD. Like I'm very like I'm like a magpie, like next shiny thing. Just, you know, you have to keep me entertained, (laughs) which means (laughs) that my solo episodes are 15 minutes max. Mm -hmm. One five. That's it. It's super easy for me to sit down and do it. Um, I'm, I don't really script them too much. I have like a super quick little bullet point outline because it's stuff I talk about constantly. So, you know, I've talked about the topic a million times, so it's easy to talk about, you know, by myself, Uh my guest episodes are like this are a bit longer because there's two people. So it's a little bit more interactive and you know, you were laughing or joking, whatever. Um, but you know, I wouldn't put out two hour long rambly episodes because my clients, my people just like, no. Yeah, 100%, right? Or they're driving to and from work. Well, what's an average commute time, right? Or whatever that is. Like, these are the factors that again, but I can't agree with you more in regards to choosing high impact marketing strategies based on where you're at, what you're like, as you grow to like, I can I utilize a ghostwriter to help with some of my blog content, right? So it's like, when you make a little bit more money, you can do a little bit more of things. Again, this is where it doesn't have to just be you, right? So um, yeah. starting out is in if you're a solopreneur, you have to really choose where you're spending your time and what the biggest ROI activities that you're doing on any given hour on any given day is going to help you move you forward versus get you stuck. Yeah, but like an example of that is just like, instead of doing a blog post, do a video or do both, like mm-hmm. add video content. You probably have a smartphone film it on there. You don't have to add anything fancy, but even like a one minute video of you explaining already grows that no like trust factor by like, you know, a a thousand percent, Mm -hmm. um, then just people skimming a blog post that you wrote. So that's like the kind of low hanging fruit I would encourage anyone to use. Um, and the other thing is like with a podcast, that's why it took me a while to launch it because I knew for me to be able to successfully do a podcast, I would have to have support. Mm-hmm. I would, I could not, I'm like, I cannot do my own editing. Technically I can, I am capable of it, but I struggle with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And if I had to do my own edit and I, I, I'm, I'm a quick start. So I'm great at starting things. I'm terrible at finishing them. Mm-hmm. And the editing part is the finishing process. Yeah. I have done this in the past, just like the, the blog posts that are like edited to death and then never get published. So I was like, I know I need to invest in having help from project manager, from virtual assistant, from the podcast editor. So this podcast can actually go out yep. because I also know my strengths and weaknesses. It's just not going to happen if I do it myself. It's not going to happen. And listen, it's so funny again, whether or not it's an ADHD thing or not is I knew to starting very much. I'm a starter, not a finisher. You get that idea. Yep. 
shiny object. And so I actually paid six months in advance for my podcast team uh, because I was just like, if I paid six months in advance, I knew that I was equally committed to them and that I also didn't want to waste the money. And I also knew that I think the average podcaster is like seven to nine episodes, right? Depending on the data that you read. And I was like, I'm not going to be one of them, right? I was like, I'm Ooh, I beat them already. The nine, <laughs> seven to nine, right? Um, but I also knew that in order for it to be sustainable and do you know what I mean? Gain the momentum that I needed is that, I mean, we're your episode today is 102, right? So that's 102 weeks. So I've been releasing one every single week, but I had, I knew what my strengths and weaknesses were. I knew I couldn't do it on my own, similar to you. And uh, yeah, the podcast team needed to be there. So you can, you may not have that luxury at the beginning. Um, but again, I, I do believe too, if there's a will, there's a way. And if it's going to show you the biggest ROI, then it might just be that maybe you do do your own editing for a little while until, do you know what I mean? You can, yeah, outsource yeah. that. No, so, yeah. I, I completely get that. Um, I'm, I'm doing two episodes a week. Um, so one solo, one guest every week. But the only reason I did that was because when I started batching, before I launched, batching the podcast went like literally 10 times quicker and easier than I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. So like my first morning batching, I made like the first, I don't know, six or seven solo episodes. I was just like, wow, I could actually, I could actually do two a week. Um, so that's what what I've been doing. I don't think I'm going to be doing that forever with my podcast. I think at a certain point I'll be like, cool, that's been enough now. Like we'll go to one one a week. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, but for now it's been working because people then know on Tuesdays you get the 50 minute solo. And then on Thursdays you get the longer 30, 35 minute guest episode. So it's been a good combination. You know, and like I said, it's like you figure it. And again, it's about adapting and we're always evolving, right? So it's whatever works is what I say. Now, of all the things we talked about in order in regards to how you went from burnt out to booked out with the coffee chats, the market research, the starting out in or standing out in the sea of competition, your authority, your high impact marketing, what would you say for you was the biggest influencer to getting you booked out? Oh, um, I think it was more of a mindset shift and like, I'm a, per, I'm the, I'm the, I literally used to say mindset was bullshit. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've, I was on a podcast a couple of years ago. I actually said mindset is bullshit. Yeah. Um, I don't think that way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the big thing that helped me was a mindset shift, which I now call the three M's of business magic. Mm-hmm. And that's combining method, which is like things like tactics, like uh-huh. strategy, Mm-hmm. It's combining move, so taking action mm-hmm. and mindset, mm-hmm. confidence. And like the thing is, so you can have the most amazing tactics and plan, like you have your notebooks full of ideas, but if you're not taking action on it, or if you don't have the confidence to take the right kind of action move forward, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you really need a combination of these three things together to make things a success and actually move forward. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. And again, I'm one too that, you know, I've been in business now for a decade with my first business and now this one and, and mindset, I do believe is the most important thing, you know, in business growth and business success is those people with that growth mindset that willing to, again, adapt. I use that word a lot this time, but again, it's mindset is so powerful because it really, again, your mind hears everything. So you've got to stay positive. You've got to be kind to your mind. And, but again, that's not going to get everything. You can have the most beautiful mindset, but if you're then not taking action, well, you're still not going to be any better off than you were. Do you know what I mean? Two days yeah, ago, the, right? So it, it is. Taking, go ahead. Or if you're not taking the right kind of action, exactly you right. Don't have the right kind of strategy. You can be still throwing spaghetti in the wall and like saying affirmations to yourself in the mirror. But if you don't have a strategy to piece it all together, then uh, you're missing the big picture. <laughs> you're going to be a little bit screwed. So, <laughs> so what an awesome episode being able to learn. And thank you for, again, sharing your story about burnout, because I think that will resonate with so many of the listeners, equally sharing us the steps that took you from that burnout to booked out. And then also just quickly sharing with us those, you know, the three M's of business magic, the method, the move and the mindset and how, again, you really need that combination, that trifecta in order to, you know, have that balance within your business and to gain the momentum that you need. So for those listeners out there that want to connect with you, where is the best way that they can find you? Uh, the best place is going to be Instagram, especially if you like uh, photos and picked and uh, videos of fluffy Aussie doodle dogs called Frodo. 
<laughs> dude you're like it is a win and all levels of happiness too <laughs> also just want to just have a quick conversation before we wrap up in regards to if you are feeling burnout as many of you know in my intro as a mental health clinician of 15 years someone who has experienced um, anxiety and depression and who is currently in remission I can't emphasize enough to be able to you know get the help and support that you need earlier on rather than later because as I said in the intro it's okay if you go to if you break a leg you're going to go and get help you're not going to walk around with a broken leg all right so make sure again if you are feeling that it kind of goes to stress and I'll, that would be a whole nother episode that I would talk about but you've got stress burnout and then a full mental health diagnosis right mm. so again just be mindful about where you're at gauge yourself where you're at uh, you know your sleep your attitude you know how you're treating your family and friends all of this plays into key factors but I can't emphasize enough about getting the support that you need um, because again support is out there but my final question to you Maggie is is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out Hmm. Good question. So many things, but I think, I think honestly, I don't feel like the knowledge I have now in terms of like the tactics is hugely different from what I knew when I started out. Like I knew a lot, but I think the big thing was that was the confidence. And I, I literally would roll my eyes at people who said that. Cause I was like, no, I like, I know I'm missing something. I know I need to learn more, but it was really that every single time I've gotten the best results with anything is when I put my own blinders on stay true to the vision and just said like, screw everyone else. This is what I'm doing. And if it works, if it doesn't work, that's fine. And that's how I've always got my best results. Yep. You just got to stay true sometimes and just rock and roll. And again, it's a test, test everything. But once you start test to find- it, tweak it, try again. Exactly right, my friend. Exactly right. Uh, thank you again for being on the show today, Meg. I greatly appreciate it. And for the rest of you, before we sign off, please remember that my team and I will also be putting together the transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on your Instagram stories by tagging me with the at Angela Henderson Consulting. And what is your handle on Instagram? Maggie? Maggie Gila. Yep. Maggie over Gila over on Instagram too, because again, we love a good share. So put a smile on our dials. And also if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and or leave a review. Thanks again, Maggie, for everything. I really appreciate you taking the time out today to come and have a chat. And for the rest of you, have a fabulous day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.